This is part one of a three-part podcast. Hi, my name is Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. All right. So to, today we're going to talk about, I guess, I guess, uh, an HOA called Paul. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, Mark asked, uh, can, can we talk about what are, uh, like, I don't know, the building codes of, of Wheaton Labs and, uh, uh, and I, and I said, Hey, can we make it into a podcast? And so we made it part of the permaculture smackdown. So here on the smackdown, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of us here today. Wow. Nice group. Smooth. And so, um, uh, and we're gonna, we, we, uh, we got a list. We, at Permies, we kind of made a list of some things to talk about. Um, I see Kyle added a suggestion, but he's not in on this call. Um, but okay, we'll, we'll, we'll plow through this list. But Mark, you are moving here. You are deep roots. That's correct. Yeah. And so when are you thinking you're going to be arriving? Probably in March. Wow. Okay. So the idea being that early enough in the year to cut down and peel some trees and give this some time to dry out. Um, Cause I don't think I can just pick up and chuck a 20 foot log onto my shoulder and wander around whistling. Uh, you know, <laughs> he says facetiously, um, but yeah, to, to, cause I'm sort of like making a list of a timeline of a, you know, okay, you get here, you got to do this, then this, then this, then this, and trying to sort of plan out so that I'm not thinking, oh wait, I should have done that a month ago, and and trying to to figure it out. So yeah, just had some questions about uh, you know the ideal scenario. And you've listened to like almost all the podcasts, right? I would say at least ninety eight percent. I might have yeah. missed one or two here or there, but so you've yeah. got a pretty good idea of what the building codes are. And by building codes, that's a silly way of saying, like, you know, what's okay and not okay. Because we're trying to build specific a specific to community. you. Yes. Yeah. 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 And so I kind of, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what, you know, different people envision, what different people want. And, uh, there's, there's certainly some stuff that's interesting that's been created in Ant Village that I wouldn't have made. Um, and, uh, uh but, um, and so you you might be having something in, in your head. My guess is you're probably going to build a wolf eye. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely my preferred uh, design. The next thing is is that when I bought the property, like I made podcasts about what kind of community I wanted to build before, like years before I bought the property, and um, and we're pretty much doing a lot of that stuff, but. I pour so much of everything I can think of into podcasts. I just kind of assume that the people that would be 
becoming part of the community on the lab would be almost exclusively pod people. Um, I, I have a hard time imagining somebody going for deep roots that's not pod people. At the same time, uh, Jennifer uh, was making a point that she believed that maybe the only people we should allow to be deep roots are people who have gone through two or more years in the boot camp for a bunch of different reasons. I mean, they're going to learn all the techniques and they're going to really learn our values and stuff like that. And we did have a problem a few years ago where we set some stuff a little too cheap and people were coming that were after the cheap and they were willing to tolerate permaculture, let alone tolerate my brand of permaculture. So I kind of feel like if a person's listened to 90% of all of my podcasts, um, they are probably, you know, their relationship with my values is probably a, a step up from tolerate. They probably think, of all the brands of permaculture I'm aware of, I like this brand the best. So now, Mark, I'm going to put you on the spot. I don't know what your answer to this question is going to be, but, but this is a fair fair question, and it's a good time <laughs> to ask. How familiar are you with other schools of thought under the permaculture umbrella? Um, I've watched a decent amount of um, – oh, I knew this. I have – such a problem with your name's Paul, right? My name's Paul. Uh, with with, Jeff, uh, with Jeff. names Jeff Lawton. Thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. I've watched uh, a bunch of his videos and you know sort of related videos via YouTube that come up as a result. And so I, I've seen a variety of we'll, we'll call them YouTube homesteaders with air quotes around that phrase. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. And and. Usually I get drawn into the ones that are trying to do as much as possible with the least amount of concrete for, you know, as, as one example. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Mike Ayler. I've had his book for years and even at this point, sadly to say uh, over 30 years ago, back in high school, uh, you know, I was, big into certain types of, of designs out there and sort of gave up on those ideas. But now that I'm towards a retirement age, um, you know, it's, it's came back and with a vengeance (laughs) and I've, I've been to a few places where there's like an absence of concrete and electricity and internet access and busy traffic. And it was delightful. And so that's what I'm interested in. So, you know, reading your description of HUSP and things like that, it's like, that sounds great, you know? Um, so yeah, I'm aware of other, I guess I, I always get off course there with the response. Um, I am aware of other types of permaculture that are out there. Um, I looked at going to like Dancing Rabbits, uh, but then the pandemic hit and, um, just to see what theirs is like. And that's more of like a, let's say more of a, um, different type of community. Um, but still a permaculture type community but definitely different uh, than what your your goals are here. All right. All right. So I I kind of, I guess I kind of thought that um, right away uh, 
the lab would fill up with people buying deep roots and, um, uh, you know, it would be a, it would be a done thing, but, uh, and all the people that were buying deep roots would be people that have listened to all the podcasts or most of the podcasts. Um, and so I, I kind of still feel like that's going to be who it's for and, and who's going to, to do it. Um, and, uh, uh, and of course it, it, we have a few people that own deep roots, um, and it's not as many as I thought it would be. Uh, you know, I, it, the way things go keeps turning out to be different than what I expect. It's both better and worse at the same time. And, uh, lots of events, but okay. Well, cause you have, there's, there's going to be a tipping point where, so in my case, I, rather than putting the time into boot camp, um, to earn the deep roots, um, you know, I'm, I'm paying for it. Um, I expect that you have lots of younger people who are super enthusiastic about it and they therefore, and they also have the time and energy that they can put into the boot camp to earn their way that way, uh, versus people who want to essentially purchase deep roots. Maybe they've been in the rat race long enough that they've sort of given up on that because there was definitely a time frame where I went from those high school years of like, oh, this is really, really cool to, oh, I'm out of college. I guess I'm getting that nine to five job and then just sort of ignoring that enthusiasm for many years. Um, so maybe people get stuck in that like, oh, yeah, I could, I could change what I'm doing and, and go deep roots and, and do something like that. But uh, it's such a big change and I'm afraid of change at this point in my life. I just want to, you know, know what's going to come down the road, even though I don't enjoy it. You know, I, I just wonder if there's a number of people out there that are in that boat. When when you were last here, did you get a chance to look at Allerton Abbey? Um, the last time I was there, I knew people were staying in it, and I saw the fence and all that was up, but the gate wasn't. I didn't want to, you know, just walk in and and just respect their privacy. Well, you've but seen some pictures. I, I have been inside it when we were doing the the cob work in 2019. Okay. All right. All right. Well. I mean, it's, it's well polished now on the interior. The interior is very lovely. Um, the cob floors are amazing. The, um, the rocket cooktop is amazing. The doors are amazing. Um, and then of course it's got like that beautiful greenhouse out back. Um, the, the question I'm asking is, is I want to, I want to say, I'm going to, I'm going to make, I'm going to make up a number that's too high. And then I want to gauge your response. So there's there's two elements. There's the the purchasing of deep roots to, to be here, and, but, but there could be a property with improvements. So this so Allerton Abbey is on one acre. So that massive fence is all around one acre. Suppose that there were like magnificent gardens and fruit trees and um, plenty of perennial systems already in place uh, on and around Allerton Abbey because we're foddy, so there's plenty that grows on Allerton Abbey as well. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I'm going to I'm going to make up a number and I'm going to say the improvements are sixty thousand dollars, and then the acre is twenty five thousand. I mean, technically, while we're recording this, it's it's twenty one thousand, but I think it's gonna by the time people hear this, it'll be you know it's, it's September the on. September 30th is the last day of September 30th of 2021 is the last day of it being 21,000. That goes on October 1st, it becomes 25,000. So, um, my guess is, is that there are people out there that would be like saying 60,000. Here's my, here's a check. We're done. And that they would move in. It's a turnkey permaculture girditude paradise. Which is surrounded by another 200 acres, approximately, of permaculture, you know, landscape. You could yeah. say is that, you know, because there's just looking around in in the area, you can find you consider like a, a generic stick structure on two or three acres of land, and they want a quarter million dollars, and it might be right next to a railroad or a highway, and People are buying stuff like that as a vacation home. And so, yeah, I'd say 60 or 85,000 for something that's set up like that. That, that seems reasonable to me. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm thinking too. Part of what I'm thinking is, is that it'd be great if, um, we had a full-time natural builder here who kind of, you know, uh, created Wafatis on an acre, built a fence, and then sold the improvements kind of a thing. Um, and then, you know, I, I think a lot of people would be like, okay, this is where I'm starting, and I'm going to, you know, build from here. Um, as opposed to, I think a lot of people are discouraged at the idea of building something from scratch. I mean, they, or more accurately, I think 90% of people dream about building something from scratch and then if they actually arrived and started and about a a week later they would all this 90 percent they would hear their mother calling them home (laughs) (laughs) if you know what i'm saying something would come up and they would have to say i i gotta go and i would even go so far as to say seven percent of those people are going to say, are going to not believe that they couldn't do it or that there was anything that prevented, so they would have to find somebody to blame, like that large asshole in overalls. <laughs> Who the fuck was he thinking? I mean, what a rude bastard. He did all these terrible things to me, and that's why it didn't succeed. You told me I could build something, and I came out here, and I had to actually build it. Why did you trick me to do that? Do something. Something. That's why I think your idea of people spending the time in the boot camp is just genius, because if you can do a year or two like that, you'll get the confidence, the skill, and the physical strength to be able to do it, because people underestimate like what it takes to be able to work 10 hours with no gloves. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I I think uh I think there's people who can be self-propelled and do it. They'll they have the human discipline and they have they have all that stuff and they can do it. They will do it and they'll do a good job. They probably used to work in construction. <laughs> but I think there's even people who never worked in construction and they could do it. They just 
they have some magic property within themselves, gumption, let's say. They have awesome gumption, and they will make it. But I also believe 90%, it'll be like they're sure they can do it, and they won't find out. And this is how he came up with the name for Ant Village. Discover whether you're an ant or a grasshopper, which um, some people absolutely loathe that. But I've also had people who uh, signed up for Ant Village, and they said they love that idea, and they're sure that they're ants, and their parting comments were that they loathe that name, like like it now haunts them. <laughs> and for those who aren't aware, this is Aesop's fable, right? It's the ant and the grasshopper. They, yeah. You can just look that up and uh, get the right. story. Right, and there's several variations now, which is fascinating. The, the more politically correct versions, which are funny, because Aesop, the Aesop fable was like uh, – a little on the brutal side. <laughs> yeah. First, that grasshopper was pretty fucking mean to the ant. Oh, really nasty. That was that was not cool, man. That was very unkind. And then when winter rolls around, the ant is pretty clear. Fuck you. Die, you bastard. <laughs> Which kind of seems a little fair, but still cruel. Cruel. By the way, I want to take this moment to say, uh, if y'all get the chance to watch that movie Cruella, I don't know if any of you have seen Cruella. Katie, you have a daughter. Surely you, you've probably at least thought about seeing it. <laughs> no, I have definitely not seen Cruella. If you get the chance, the creativity is amazing. I, it is, the movie is art. I mean, granted, it disgusts me how much makeup these women wear uh, as part of their fashion thing, and if, you know, but and that's part of the story, I guess. But just the just the creativity, somebody somebody making this movie is a genius, and I can't tell you what the creative thing is because you you have to you have to you have to get you have to get gobsmacked. Like, I got gobsmacked to be like, oh, whoa! All right. Sorry, we I used the word cruel, and so that reminded me of Cruella. It's a wonderful movie. I encourage you to see. All right. Setting that aside, we're a bit off topic here. All right. Let's, let's, let's get back, let's get back into this, because, because the idea is, is that I need to convey to Mark and to all of you that are on this call with me and anybody listening to this, what's what's the crazy in my head? I mean, eight years ago I bought this property, and and many of you have listened to all the podcasts where for like three to five years I talked about buying this property. I mean, maybe it was even longer than that. Has it been 12 years that I have – been, that I was 12 years ago that I started looking for property until I I eventually got this property and and I and I talked about all the things that needed to be talked about in order to be able to to get this property. So now it's time to provide clarity because apparently with all of that there's some things I haven't mentioned before and and like let's make this one podcast hopefully cover all this stuff in my head now. Now first of all Mark, you said something about you have been to communities 
which sound to me like a bike ped community. Like you can't even drive a car in there. And, and it's so quiet and peaceful and beautiful. And not only that, but it's like there's a different feeling to the community. And, and it's a good feeling. It is, you know, vibe could be the word that's used, but feeling is good. There's, it's, it, yeah, it is, I just, it, I considered it the, the peacefulness of it. So I've, I've been to one place where you had the park and walk several hundred feet before you got to the first building. And it was in sort of like a little valley with mountainsides on either side. And you, you didn't hear any kind of traffic. Uh, there was no television, no radio, and it was just peaceful. And there was plenty of, of sounds, but they were, you know, the, the running water and the birds and, you know, different critters and all that. And, uh, the wind in the trees, things that as I then drove home and had to drive down the length of California and through all that traffic, I physically could feel my stress coming back to the normal level that I had, uh, had lost while I was there during that time. And so it was a, a serious contrast from being there and, and then leaving. Um, and so that's definitely what I'm, what I'm after. I don't want to be driving back and forth, you know, three times a day. Um, yeah. And, and being in, in the truck, you know, all day long. So I want to be able to get out here the sounds of nature around me, you know, working outdoors on whether I'm building the house or working in the garden or whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, just that, that peacefulness, the, just, sort of that uh, eliminate that pressure of the traffic and everything else. To just be there, to be in that place where you were talking about just a moment ago, when you were there, is it fair to say, and you're just a visitor there, that, I mean, you've been to parks, national parks, state parks. You've, po- you've probably even gone into the wilderness, and there's some of that feeling there, too. But at this particular place that you yeah. were just talking about, is it fair to say that you felt like your soul was woven into this, that you're more of a part of nature and what's there than if you're standing in the wilderness. Yeah, because there's there's an intent why you're there as well. So I've I've been out say eighty miles into like I took a trip once into Canada. Um, we had backpacks and canoes, and we took a train 80 miles up. We stopped at what was essentially what you consider a woodshed and pulled all our gear out of the train, put it in the water, and then it took us a week to get back down to where that we could actually find a car or anything, and this was before cell phones and all that. So we were absolutely out. And the, you know, if, if we were all killed by a bear, nobody would know until they found the canoes type of, uh, scenario. And it wasn't the same because you still had at the time new technology and all that stuff around you versus in this little community, everything was built with an intent 
And I mean, there was five or six light bulbs between as many houses, um, all powered off like two solar panels and that were hidden away. So you never really saw that. So it's just sort of a different way of being on a day to day basis. And it took two or three days for my, my brain to sort of decompress and take it in. And then every morning you get up, you walk out, walk up the hill and you just experience all of those natural experiences that you either take for granted or don't even experience at all on in a typical modern day. I would, so yeah, it was, it was just, it was wonderful to be there. So I want to say that when, when I was young and I went backpacking into the wilderness and some, and I did a couple of trips horseback and I, I did a ton of trips on bicycle. Um, and all of these experiences were wonderful. And I, and I felt like I developed a relationship with nature when I was there. But with the kind of thing that you're talking about, and I've been to a few places like this, and I hope to make something, I hope to be as much of an artist as those people, maybe even more, according to my own vision, and make something more. But I kind of feel like in those places, I had that feeling of when I was in the wilderness, but the feeling was even more. And, and in fact, if I were to like, go to one of those places and be there and then spend half a day walking into nearby wilderness, then the sensation that I would have is that between the two, I would like the little bike ped community more because in wilderness, I would feel a little bit like, in comparison, I would feel a little bit like a foreigner, like like I'm visiting, I'm. It, there's they they nature does not provide me with a chair to sit on, and have a chat with nature. On the other hand, in the little bike ped community, things were made from the bounty of nature, the the buildings, the furniture, the everything was built dominantly from the immediate nature. Um, when we would try to build something out of cob, we had a pit that we would go, and there was a shovel there waiting, and we would fill a wheelbarrow up and move it over, and we would build with cob. Um, but there were places to sit, places to be warm, places that invited me in, places that seemed empty and lonesome without me being in them. And they seemed more when I was there. Whereas in nature, maybe a lot of that still holds to be true, but it's not as true. Now that's, I'm I'm trying, I'm feebly trying to express a thing. And I'd like to hear your opinion about how close am I to what you feel? Yeah, you're, if you're able to, you're taking sort of a, a natural environment, right, where there's currently no 
human um, impact. And weave a community into that to where you, you have the least amount of disruption, but there's still a place for you there. So you're, you're, like you said, you're not just walking through and visiting and you get to experience it, but you're, it's part of, of your community where you're living, but you still have that as much nature as possible, um, type of, uh, environment. The next thing is, is I kind of feel like when you go out into wilderness, I, and after being in this kind of community that we're describing, I, I think nature feels lonely. That, that when you have this little bit of a community where you have built yourself a home from the natural materials around you and you have created, let's say a permaculture jungle, um, that the permaculture jungle is in itself a romantic relationship with nature so that nature becomes so much more. Whereas nature by herself is lonely and, and nature does have things that nature does that are beautiful and wonderful all by nature's self. But I kind of feel like in the hands of a permi, then the relationship becomes richer and more glorious and more magnificent. The final product is, is glorious. And that nature is in love with the permi. And the permi is in love with nature. And this is, this act of gardening is how the relationship is developed. And, um, this, and I kind of feel like the Wafati design, like an enormous part of it, which I feel like is really hard to talk about, is a celebration of this relationship. I, I cannot, I mean, when I think about my love of gardening and this relationship that I want to have with nature, to me, the Wafati is the ultimate structure, the ultimate home. It's, it's a bit like, you lifted up this beautiful garden and you tucked a home inside of it. And so I, I kind of feel like this is part of the, the art I wish to create on this property. And I bought this property with the idea of pursuing something like what you and I have experienced. And maybe, maybe I have it within me to build a community that will do even more than that which you and I experience. Am I, am I just babbling or does this, does this make any sense to you? I, I like to think it, it makes does, sense yeah. to you. Okay, good. Yeah. Because you've been there and it's like you miss it. I miss it. I want that again. And, and I kind of feel like, wow, it's going to, it's going to take a long time to make one of those. And, um, uh, and along the way, it's, it's been hard, but, and there are people who come and go who kind of have a different vision, something more conventional. And they, this, this vision that I have, they feel is silly and unachievable and dumb. It doesn't exist. Or 
And I feel like it's more accurate to say they haven't experienced it. Therefore, in their mind, it cannot be. And yeah, you'll have a lot of the I'll believe it when I see it type of uh, people. Absolutely. And so I kind of feel like I, I, I need to do what I can to try to create it. As we speak, water pipes are being laid to Allerton Abbey and Cooper Cabin um, because, you know, we have the well and everything. Um, I think that uh, this is a this is a big leap forward for us. It's only been eight years that we've been trying to get this done, and it's finally happening. I think that the, the well is like the biggest capital improvement. Is I don't know if you'd call it that or not, but yeah, the the biggest type of improvement that you can make as far as having future people come in and oh look, there's running water in here versus having to haul it. You get a lot more of that enthusiasm of, oh, man, that that's just a big load off of somebody's shoulders when they're trying to do other things, right? I think that once we have things plumbed and then we have water there and showers and, um, you know, uh, kitchen sinks, those things, and all the things that we kind of take for granted as normal things, then um, then we can start to add in all of the amazing uh, uh, water from permaculture techniques afterwards. Whereas before now, we tried to do it the other way. And um, that's another podcast for another day. But, okay. Let's kind of talk about, um, you know, you're going to – you're going to build something and you're probably, you know, designing all kinds of possible things for your plot. Have you, have you picked a plot yet? I've eyeballed a couple of areas, we'll say, that try to meet some of the goals that I have, you know, as far as having sun exposure to the south. And um, I know that some areas have better cell reception than others. Um, so having something, because maybe my internet access will be limited to, you know, a, a cell phone plan or something like that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I had, I had a few spots and the, as far as access to water, but I was not aware that as far as the plumbing, that that would be essentially, cause isn't Cooper cabin is sort of like the opposite side of the property relative to the well. So, um, so would the plan then be is based on where somebody is located, they'd be able to plumb to that, assuming that they're at a lower elevation than the, the well, right? If it's all gravity fed is also a sun assumption. Um, you know, Allerton Abbey kind of sits in the middle of what we kind of refer to as, um, ant village loop. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm not sure how many acres this chunk is. I'm going to guess it's, I'm going to guess 40 or 50 acres. That is this one piece in the middle of hundreds of acres. And um, the idea is is that uh, we hope to have a bunch of ants uh, have plots along about half of that perimeter so that they can build their fences, which make it so that the interior of this plot, which includes Alex Abbey, will be safe from deer and the like. Yeah. 
you know, so because we're gardeners, we want to keep the deer out of our gardens. But um, the so idea with sp- this is that the, the current well that's being put in is, in theory, going to provide a tiny bit of water to all of these plots. And so um, uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I mean, right now, uh, everybody on the lab and everybody at base camp, um, including all the events, the, all of the water that is used is what comes from uh, uh, base camp, the well at base camp. And uh, the well at base camp produces 200 gallons a day, uh, which is you know, a trivial amount. And, uh, uh, for most homes, most, most homes, uh, in fact, if you're going to buy property that has a well and you're going to get a certificate of occupancy, my understanding is, is that it must produce at least, I think it might be 3000 gallons a day. Um, yeah, something like one and a half gallons a minute. So you're, is it one and a half? I thought it was three, three gallons a minute. It could be, could differ. Yeah. For like the smallest one bedroom home, on any acreage whatsoever. Um, and uh, I think it's three gallons a minute. But uh, so that works out to more than three gallons, uh, 3,000 gallons a day. Oh, yeah. Um, so um, we have 200 gallons a day. And, and uh, the well up at uh, the lab produces 2,000 gallons a day. So, um, you know, we're in, we're in good shape. Up there, and so if, if people don't get too carried away with their water usage, um, and we'll, so I shouldn't plan on building a slip and slide onto the property. I, I can just I run think, water on. I think you should pursue every luxury. <laughs> At the same time, I I do believe that it's plausible that uh, somebody might be at a place that's uphill of where our cistern is. And uh, I think I think it's possible that we might put in uh, a person, such a person could put in another well, and um, you know things of that nature. But that's a you know, okay. So future, actually, future plans, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but I also love the idea of like now let's get started on all the ways that we make water on dry land, mm-hmm. and and so which is all the permaculture techniques. In which case. You know, you would be able to have oodle smooth water. I mean, I, I wish to have lots of ponds. I wish to have aquaculture systems. Um, and I, I wish to have water that moves between all the systems year round. And, uh, and I think that that's going to be a lot of permaculture systems. And, uh, I, I think that it's going to be some, some solar stuff that pumps water back up, um, and things of that nature. So um, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, a more water heavy property and you with your slip and slide. <laughs> so, all right, um, <clears throat> let's let's start with the biggest of the bigs, uh, building codes. I um, insist on a on a, a earthen roof or green roof. Um, uh, I feel like, of course, the Wafati would be the thing that most people would go for, but an Ailer structure is also acceptable. I know that Oren right now is building something with a green roof that will be nighter. And, um, you know, all of these things are perfectly acceptable. I, I wish to embrace the love of gardening as, as part of this. So having the growies, 
I, I think a thick earthen roof is by far the most superior. And that's what I wish to encourage the most. And so I want to really push for that. Something where you can, you can romance nature on your roof. And I kind of feel like a possible side effect of all of that is, is that anything growing on your roof will automatically have an extended growing season because not only is it higher up off the ground, so any, any cold air that's coming down will, will move right off. But also, a little bit of warmth will be escaping this structure mm-hmm. and going through the roof, thus um, uh, causing warm air currents to rise up from there. So cold air won't be able to hit it as easily. But another way to look at it is, is that it'll be a little bit warmer there because of people living inside. So when it's when it gets close to freezing or to freezing. I suspect that what's on the roof of the Wafati will frost last, thus extending the growing season a little bit. So I, I really love the idea of, um, uh, you know, you've got a bunch of, uh, uh, pumpkins there, you got a bunch of tomatoes, and they all go maybe a month longer than everywhere else because it's growing on the roof of the Wafati, which is just like this ultimate gardener thing to have happen. So, um, green roofs, thick earthen roofs. Yeah. Um, so there's that. That's, that's kind of a, I don't, I, I would have to say that that is a requirement if you're going to build up there, uh, is some sort of earthen roof. I think what Oren is doing is like, the furthest away I'm comfortable with. So um, I I I feel like if somebody wants to come up and build something with a metal roof, it's like yeah, that's that's not in our values. This podcast is continued in part two. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com/slash/paulwheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.